You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. All this month we're doing a series that's entitled Inside Out, and uh, probably the uh, graphic that Brandy designed for this gives you a pretty good idea of what it should be about. If uh, you know Christ is your Savior, that means God's put something in you that doesn't need just to stay in you. It needs to be working its way out in your life. It needs to be demonstrated in a way for others to see the faith that you have instead of it just staying inside of your heart. Now, you know, I'll probably give this uh, precursor each, uh, uh, each week, but what uh, I want people to understand this month primarily, uh, who I'm talking to are those people who are believers. So uh, I joked around last week, maybe in the second service, that if you've got a Christian friend that brought you to church today and, and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can kind of look at them and say, he's talking to you this month instead of me. But the reality is this. We need to let the faith we have in us work its way out because those lost friends that we do have need to see that faith. They need to see what Jesus has put into our, into our heart. Uh, several topics we're dealing with this month. Uh, one was generosity. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, and it's really a time of year, like I mentioned when I was doing the announcements, for us to be generous. We think about Thanksgiving. We ought to demonstrate uh, our thankfulness to God for all that He's done for us uh, by our generosity. We ought to look at the Christmas season and realize, uh, you know, God gave us His best, and we ought to be generous ourselves. Uh, through the Christmas season and all the year, you know, we ought to be generous people as believers. Uh, we're also talking about uh, today's topic, which is bringing forth good, and I'll say more about that in just a moment. Uh, next Sunday, which is a Sunday right before Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving and how thankfulness needs to work its way uh, out of our lives. And then the last Sunday of this month, we're going to talk about an overflow. Jesus kindly told us that, uh, you know, from within us, because of our relationship with Him, our relationship with God, there ought to be rivers that flow out. So we're going to talk about that overflow a little bit the, the last Sunday of the month. But today the topic is this. We're going to talk about bringing forth good, bringing forth good. Now let me qualify that just for a moment I am not saying that you and I by ourselves, just like we are, independent from God or Jesus, have good to bring forth. You understand that, don't you? The Bible really tells us, as you see here in this verse in Romans, the Bible tells us that we don't have any good. The Bible says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now, you know, you may want to argue with that inside of yourself. You can argue with God. That's what God has to say. I don't have the ability to really do what is good. You don't have the ability to really do what is good or to bring forth good by ourselves. We are not righteous. But when we receive Christ as our Savior, the very righteousness of God is imputed to our lives. And because of what He's put in our lives, we as believers now have the capacity to bring forth good. Not our goodness, His goodness in our lives, and we need to bring that forth, and that's what we're, we're talking about in, in, this, uh, in this message today and in this series. Our primary text today is going to be found in Matthew, uh, so look with me at these uh, verses in Matthew. Jesus is talking, and he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to a group of people called the Pharisees that were standing there. I'll give you a little bit more background of that in a moment. But he says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, which is Jesus in us, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
Jesus says these words, if you'll have your Bible open, if you'll look the verses right previous to this, Jesus had performed a miracle. And the Pharisees were not Jesus' best fans because they liked to have the limelight themselves. And now Jesus is getting all the attention and Jesus is doing things that they can't do. And they're trying their best to minimize People following Jesus. So what they do, they attribute in their own minds, they're thinking that this miracle that's just been performed was not by the power of God because they're rejecting who Jesus is. Instead, these Pharisees say this, what Jesus just did, the miracle he just performed, was performed through the power of Satan. Is more or less what they say when they say Beelzebub. They're attributing a good work of Jesus to being done under the power of Satan. From that, Jesus goes on and makes a statement that we call the unpardonable sin. And Jesus more or less tells them, you know, things said against him can be forgiven, but something said against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this world or in the next. In other words, Jesus is saying you need to be careful about rejecting the influence and the work of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying in the unpardonable sin, let me kind of give a little bit more clarity to that because a lot of people have different ideas. I mean, in church culture, a lot of times people will act like Divorce and remarriage is almost the unpardonable sin, or adultery is the unpardonable sin, or murder is the unpardonable sin, or whatever the case might be. Getting a tattoo is the unpardonable sin, you know, with some people. You know, it just depends on the church culture that you're dealing with. But none of those things are unpardonable. David, by the way, committed murder, and the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And God forgave him because he repented. And if you want evidence of that, follow out the bloodline of Jesus right through David. So those things are not unpardonable. What's meant by the unpardonable sin is is really this. It's meant that somebody continually and willfully resists that Jesus is who he claims to be. They resist the influence of the Holy Spirit upon their heart until there's like this ultimate denial to the point that there's a reversal of even good and evil. If you know, someone gets so far you know, in resisting God's influence, the Holy Spirit's influence on their life, that they're kind of tired of it. And it's almost like the Pharisees do here. And they reverse good for evil and they attribute what is really good to being evil and what is evil to being good. And their mind is so messed up that, that eventually what happens is this. They give a final, ultimate denial of who Jesus is. That's the only thing that you cannot be forgiven of. If you completely reject who Jesus Christ is, that's the only thing that you cannot be forgiven of in eternity. That's what the unpardonable sin means. That's why Jesus said these words. And and since we're talking about bringing forth good this morning, I, I want you to understand that while the failure of you and I as believers to bring forth good from our lives as we should, whatever God has invested in us, bringing that forth as good works, as good fruit. If we fail to bring that forth, that's not an unpardonable sin. But since God has put it in us, I think we all would agree it's kind of unpardonable for us to keep it there. I'm not saying God won't forgive us. I'm saying this. It, you know, we ought to think of it as unpardonable for God to invest so much in our lives to give us Jesus and us just keep it inside and not let it work to the outside. So with the text that I've just read, what I want us to do this morning is just kind of talk a little bit about what it, you know, what it looks like for us to bring forth good. How can we bring forth good? And this isn't exhaustive this morning, a lot of other texts, but we're just looking at this text to give us some, uh, some thoughts, I think, this morning that hopefully help us understand why and, and how we ought to be bringing forth good. Here's your, here's your first blank this morning, the first thing I want us to talk about. 
If we're going to bring forth good, we need to be, first of all, fully committed to who Jesus is and who we are as the followers of Christ. Now think about that before I break down the verses that we're going to use for, for this thought. In order for us to really bring forth good, I need to be fully committed to who Jesus is. And at the same time, be fully committed to who I am in Christ. Because if I'm shaky in either one of those areas, I'm going to be kind of standing in the shadows a little bit instead of trying to bring forth good. You understand what I'm saying? If I'm not really convinced who Jesus is, if I'm not fully committed to who He is, God in the flesh, and what He has done for me by dying on the cross, and thus me by faith in Him, and you by faith in Him, if you trusted in Jesus, who you are as a follower of Christ, then if you're not fully committed in those two areas, you won't be bringing forth good as you should because you're, you're going to be a little bit distant. You know, you're going to be a little bit worried about, you know, can I even do anything for God? Should I do anything for God? But if you're fully committed to who Jesus is and who you are in Christ, that begins to lay the framework for you to feel like you can bring forth good out of your life. You understand what I'm saying? Look at verse 33 again. Jesus looks at this group of people that had just accused him of performing a miracle underneath the power of Satan. And he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. I want you to think about this to begin with as we break that verse down. I want you to think about decision time. Decision time. You see how Jesus is calling for a decision? Jesus looks at this group of people and says, you need to make your mind up. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. You need to decide one way or the other. And as Jesus says that, there's, there's a couple of interpretations that we might need to bear in mind here to, to help us kind of fully process possibly what Jesus is saying, and, and one of the first interpretations based on the context of this scripture, what these Pharisees had just done, how they had just accused Jesus of performing a miracle underneath the ability or the power of Satan, just maybe the interpretation of Jesus saying you need to decide, you need to make the tree good or evil, and the tree is known by its fruit, just maybe Jesus is telling this group of people they need to decide about who He is. They need to make up their minds who He is. Because, you see, they just called Jesus evil. And Jesus is saying, you need to decide one way or the other. Is the tree evil or is the tree good? By the way, a tree is known by its fruit. So Jesus could be saying this, look at my life. Look at the miracles I've performed. Look at the signs I've given you. Look at the works that I have done and see that I am good and that I am God. That could very well be what Jesus means here because of what they've just said. He's looking at this group of people who are like religious pretenders because the Pharisees wanted to be seen on the outside and have people think well of them. But many times inside, the Bible gives us the picture of the Pharisees not being too pretty inside. They dressed the outside up, but their heart wasn't right. They wanted, you know, the, the, the pomp and circumstance of everyone looking at them and saying, my, look how religious these people are. And they were rejecting Jesus and who he was and his works and even trying to attribute what he was doing to being done through the power of Satan. So potentially Jesus looks at these religious pretenders, these Pharisees, and he says, you need to decide once and for all who I am. And by the way, to help you decide, you need to evaluate based upon this principle. A tree is known by its fruit, so why not taste the fruit that I have given you and figure out that I'm good? You do understand, you know, that has, you know, a real literal illustration that Jesus has given. If you go up to a tree that's a fruit tree... The only way you know for sure how good the fruit is is to do what? Reach out, pluck it, and take a bite of it. 
And as long as you just stare at it and think that might be good to eat or that might not be good to eat or whatever, you just don't know. You can go in a restaurant and something might look really good to eat. And then, you know, you take a taste of it and you think, ah, you know, and all. So, Jesus, I think, could be very well looking at these people. And he's saying, you need to decide once and for all who I am. And while I did say, I'm going to back up a little bit from what I said to start with, this message is primarily for people who are believers. Uh, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, can I just kind of give you a really short message? You need to look at what Jesus did, and you need to figure out Jesus is who he claims to be, and you need to taste and see that he's good. Decision time. Either make the tree good or evil. Quit being on the fence. That's kind of what he's telling the Pharisees. But a second interpretation, I don't know what both these interpretations are true. second main interpretation of this would be the second thought here. Jesus is calling these Pharisees to make a decision and, 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 you know, and, and really figure out you know, what it is all about and be genuine themselves instead of just pretending. Really be what they're pretending to be. They were pretending to be good. Inside, they were rotten. Inside, their hearts weren't right. So potentially, Jesus is looking at this group of Pharisees who just said, you've just done a work by the power of Satan. And he's looking at them, and he's telling them, you need to decide one way or the other and be good or evil yourselves. You need to decide if you want to have a real relationship with God and then you know, let God transform your lives from the heart out. Guys, that's how it works. It doesn't work by us dressing up the outside. You, you can go buy a heart shafter and mark suit and put it on a fence post, and that doesn't make the fence post a Christian. It's from the inside out, from God working in our hearts through Christ, us believing who He is, being fully committed to who He is. In Him, in our hearts, changing us from the inside out. That's how Christianity works. It's not, I'm going to dress the outside up and act like a Christian. That's what the Pharisees were doing. It's God transforming your heart, and then because of the way your heart is, it works its way out, and what people see on the outside is real, and it's authentic, and still just being a show. So potentially, that's what Jesus is telling this group of people. These Pharisees, he's telling them, you need to decide once and for all, you know, and you need to, you know, really follow God or not follow Him. Quit playing around with just the exterior things and be real, and you need to make your life good. Make your tree good. Make the fruit good from it instead of having this evil stuff pop out of your heart and out of your mouth. And guys, the way that translates to us today, I think, is simply this. You and I, if we're really going to bring forth good in our lives, we need to be fully committed to who Jesus is and fully committed to who we are in Christ. And we need to make a decision that we're going to be sold out once and for all to Jesus. Make the tree good or make it evil. One of the two, quit playing around on the fence. Make a decision and go for God and stay going for Him. Bringing forth the good. Not only is it decision time, it's also demonstration time. Jesus talks about here. For he says there that the tree is known by its fruit. Jesus had demonstrated by his fruit, by his good works, by what he had done, that he was both good and God, by the way. He had fully demonstrated for people to see. That's why Jesus did all the miracles. Jesus didn't come up to be a one-trick pony from heaven to be a one-trick pony just to do miracles so people think I want more loaves or I want more fish or I want to see you walk on the water more. I want to see you steal the, you know, steal the storm more. I want to see you, you know, raise people from the dead more. That's not what all that was about. Jesus did all that stuff. One, I think, to show the very love and compassion of God. Two, he was doing it to prove He's exactly who he claimed to be, that he was the Messiah, that he's God in the flesh. And by his works, he demonstrated who he is. So that kind of gives me a hint that you and I, as followers of Jesus, who want to be followers of Jesus, we also ought to be demonstrating by our fruit who we are. We ought to be demonstrating by our works goodness, not our goodness, but his goodness. 
We, we need to be demonstrating for others to see. We need to make the tree known by its fruit. Let other people around us know that God is real and that he's in our hearts and demonstrate who we are in Christ. See, the Bible tells us that in a lot of ways, but here's just a couple of ways. Jesus said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Jesus is saying, I didn't put something in you for you to keep it hid. I didn't put something in your life for you to keep it underneath a basket. He, he said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. They may see goodness coming out of your life that I've put there. And give glory to who? Not you, because you're not the one that's generating the good anyway. Give glory to your Father who's in heaven, because that's where the goodness came from to start with. He's telling us that we ought to demonstrate the goodness that He puts in our lives. Let it be like a light that we're shining before others. First John tells us this. By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. Talking about Jesus. Man, if you understand what real love is, that's what love is about. It's sacrificial. I tell couples that all the time when I do premarital counsel with them because people come in, you know, do you remember how it was when you were dating in high school and things like that? You start getting chill bumps and, you know, puppy love and you think it's a real thing. You know what the real thing is when it comes to love? The real thing is commitment. You're being committed to the other person. That way if the chill bumps go away, you still are committed to that person. He laid down his life for us, sacrificial love. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So because Jesus demonstrated the goodness of God by laying his life down, we ought to demonstrate it by laying our lives down for other people. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Don't keep it on the inside. Let it pop out. And let it pop out means going beyond just saying, you know, go and be warm, go and be fed. We need to do what we can do to demonstrate the love and the goodness of God for other people. That's why we're doing things like this. That's why we're doing things like the angel tree or people going on a mission trip to Guatemala. That's why we're trying to do those types of things to, like the Thanksgiving meal to try and demonstrate the love of God to somebody else. We, we need to make a decision one way or the other. Jesus is who He says He is, and because He's who He says He is, we need to be who He wants us to be, be fully committed to who Jesus is, be fully committed to who we are in Christ, and let the goodness that He puts in our lives be demonstrated on the outside. We need to make a decision about it. We need to demonstrate God's goodness in our lives for others to see. The tree is known by its fruit. We need to prove our authenticity as Christians by bearing the fruit that Jesus would have us to bear. Let the good out. Second main thing I want you to get this morning is this. Not only do we need to be fully committed to who Jesus is and to who we are in Christ as his followers, we also really need this. If we're going to bring forth good out of our lives, we need to be fully convinced that we are followers of Christ. You need to be absolutely, totally convinced that you're a follower of Christ because if you're not totally convinced, can I tell you something? You're not going to be stepping out on a limb and exercising your faith. You're not going to be letting anything out from in here because if there's some question mark, if you're wondering or if you're really authentic or not, if you really have a relationship with Jesus, then you're not going to be letting this out because you're scared to, you know, almost. But if you're fully convinced, if you know without any doubt that you're a follower of Christ, then that lays some groundwork in your life for you to make steps to let the, the goodness out that He's put in your life. Look at these verses and then we'll break them down some. We read them a moment ago, but I want you to be reminded of them before we kind of pull some thoughts out of them. You brutal vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's talking to people who are very religious. 
people who were putting in a lot of religious activity probably could quote a whole lot more Bible than you and I can. And he says, how can you speak good when you're evil? Even though they're very religious, he's saying you don't even have the basis, the foundation to be speaking good. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. Is that not a little bit scary to you, that last section? Let's talk about what that means in those verses. Since we're talking about being you know, fully convinced that we're followers of Christ, the first thing I want you to notice in those verses that we just read is there's an identity, an identity to be concerned about. An identity to be concerned about. Do you know for sure that you are a Christian? Do you know for sure that you're in a right relationship with God? And what are you basing that upon? Because religious activity on the outside does not make you right with God. That's where the Pharisees were. And the identity crisis that they had was on the outside acting like they were okay, while on the inside there's a problem. See, Jesus looked at them, and he said, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? They were acting religious. They wanted to act like they were godly. They had all this activity going on the outside, but they had just said something that was pretty wicked. You know, they had just said, Jesus, what you've just done, but that miracle was really done by the power of Satan. I mean, they're spouting some pretty poisonous stuff out of their mouth. And Jesus is more or less looking beyond the outside of these Pharisees, and he's seeing in their heart, and he calls them this. He says, you brood of vipers. I bet that's politically correct in that day, huh? Jesus is trying to make friends that day, wasn't he? You know, we talked about this a lot in the last series and really all through the summer some in another series that we were doing also, but I don't find Jesus mincing words just trying to make somebody feel good about themselves and not trying to, you know, chase them off. Do you see that? I mean, man, he just, God in the flesh called it like he saw it. And he looked at these Pharisees and he says, you brood of vipers. Now, you know, if, if you're wondering what that means, I'll give you the, you know, the, the Lynn Parsons translation on that. He said, you bunch of snakes. That's what he said. I mean, it'd be like us going to a religious gathering, you know? Walking to the front of the church and saying, you bunch of snakes. You see, on the outside, like I said, they had things dressed up. And looked pretty good, but on the inside there was poison. You understand a poisonous snake, whether you like snakes or not at all, a poisonous snake, most of them look very pretty on the outside. You know, you know that's the case most of the time. Think about the patterns on a copperhead or the patterns on a rattlesnake. Or, you know, even, you know, some of the design on a cobra and the way the cobra moves in its, its head, the way it can bring it up. Or a coral snake, the bright colors on a coral snake. And even the way a snake moves, you know, looks pretty, too, really graceful, the way a snake can move. But even though it looks pretty on the outside, do you want to know what the reality is about a poisonous snake? Inside, there's poison. So no matter how pretty it looks on the outside, there's poison on the inside. That's the way the Pharisees were. Looked great on the outside, in their heart there was poison. 
You see, I'm afraid there's a lot of people like that still today. There are a lot of people in the world, regrettably, a lot of church people who look beautiful on the outside, and on the inside there's poison. And that's why we need to be concerned about our identity. That's why we, you know, we need to know for sure and be fully convinced that we are Christians, that we are followers of Jesus, because until you are, you're not going to bring forth a lot of good until you've got that identity settled, until you know that you're authentic, that you're real on the outside. You're not somebody just dressing up the outside and inside your heart there's poison. That's the way that the Pharisees were living their lives. See, inside out only works the right way if you've got Jesus inside. You understand that? I mentioned this last week. I don't have any problem getting some inside things out sometimes, do you? But a lot of times it's the wrong stuff. And the only capability, the only hope I have of ever getting something to come out that's right is because Jesus is in there. That's why we need to know for sure that we are authentic instead of just being religious on the outside let me let me give you a disclaimer i want you to clearly understand what i'm saying i am not saying that an authentic christian will never ever let stuff that's in here out that's wrong i'm not saying that at all (laughs) because i'll be honest with you that happens in my life you know my quick grin at me like you know that happens in my life But I am saying this, I and you, we don't have the capacity to bring good forth, and that's what we're talking about today, unless Jesus is there. And that was a problem with these Pharisees. They did not have an authentic, real relationship with God in their heart. They had made it all about rules and jumping through hoops and all about the exterior. And it's impossible, we'll see here what Jesus is going to say, it's impossible really for them to bring forth good because it's not there to start with. So there's really an identity that we need to be concerned about, but there's also some some indications I think that Jesus gives us that might help us out a little. See, if you're wrestling in your life with trying to bring forth good, like I said, we, we will not always bring forth good every choice that we make because we're human. Sometimes we'll bring forth the junk that we shouldn't. When we do, we ought to repent. We ought to be remorseful. We ought to say, God, help me and walk away from it. But if you're someone that struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles and you never, ever bring forth any good, you might need to be concerned about your identity. Whether or not Jesus is really there. So to help us evaluate that a little bit, I think Jesus gives some indications for us to consider. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, the abundance is there. If you've got all the wrong stuff coming out, maybe you've got all the wrong stuff here. And he gives us several indications for us to look at that will maybe help us evaluate just a little bit. Jesus more or less is saying this, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, whatever you've got filled up in here is going to spew out here. Now, you're a little bit luckier than the next crowd because you're a little bit farther removed from lunch than they will be by the time I finish, Okay. So you'll be over this by then, okay? But sometimes there's things inside of you that makes you physically sick. And what happens when you get physically sick a lot of times, what is in here just vomits out, right? Y'all don't even want to admit that happens. Some of you are thinking, quit talking about that. Are, are, you know, you know, I probably shouldn't keep going there, but I'm, I'm going to just a minute. Are you, are you the kind of person, are you a sympathetic vomiter? You know, somebody else starts doing it. You know, I hope no one, no one gets there just for me talking about it. <laughs> I was talking about a 
situation I was in in law enforcement one time where someone had died and had been dead for several days and it was in one department and I was at a new police department a couple years later and we're riding down the road and I was telling my new partner about it. we were talking about things that you know we'd been through and everything and he he tells me to pull the car over and I what do you mean pull the car over and he he, he said no pull the car over now and I pull it over now and he right there for me talking about something I'd been around what happens though, if you if you get sick inside you know, sooner or later, it's just going to vomit out. And see, that's the way it is spiritually in our lives, too. If we've got something inside that is sick morally or sick spiritually, if we've got the wrong stuff in here, guess what's going to vomit out sometimes? Yeah, guess what we're going to speak? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, maybe as we get ready to talk about these indications, maybe in your mind get you some scales going here and try and start weighing out, you know, the majority of the stuff that spews out of your mouth. Here's our first indication. First indication is this. A good person brings forth good because of what is treasured in his heart. That's more or less what Jesus said. He said, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. Now, go back to what I reminded you of when we first started this message. According to the book of Romans, no one's good, not one, right? So the good person is not good based upon himself, it's because of God. And the good person out of his good treasure, and that's not our own inherent goodness, it's because of God. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth what? Good. So that's telling us then a a person who's a follower of Christ, who's bringing forth good, it will be because of what's treasured in his or her heart. So having said that, then the question for us to ask ourselves is this. What am I treasuring? I mean, are are you treasuring Jesus in your heart? Is that the treasure that's there? Because if, if so, that gives you a foundation to come forth with good stuff from the inside out because of Jesus being there, because you're treasuring Jesus in your heart. David said this, David said, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You wonder why you need to be reading your Bible and putting this in here for this very reason. Most of the times when I'm hit with the desire to say something or do something I shouldn't, it's not why I'm sitting there reading the Bible. You understand that? I mean, honest to God, folks, if that's happening to you while you're reading the Bible, you do have a problem, okay? And we need to talk after the service. The situations hit when you don't have this open in front of you. And that's why you need to be putting it in here so you'll remember in that moment what God said and use it to help you get through that moment without doing what you feel like doing. Mike warned me about this. I, I, I told you guys I was contemplating getting a motorcycle. I, I, I did so, and for the most part, being pretty good. I bought such a bright fluorescent vest that they make you wear on uh, military bases before they even let you have a motorcycle on a military base. And after I started wearing that, no one's pulled out in front of me, but I still have these idiots that get up behind me. If you see a motorcycle going down the road, and it's a bright yellow vest that says icon on the back of it, please don't get right up behind me. You might see your pastor act in ways you don't want to see. <laughs> and I had this guy yesterday when I was out. I, I mean, had some mistake happen, and I had gone down. He could not stop. And I kept flashing my brake lights a little bit and look over my shoulder and shake my head a little bit and everything like that. And in my flesh, I wanted just to kind of let him know by some sign language to leave me alone and get back. 
Either that or I thought about Yosemite Sam, you know, if I could just, you know, have, you know, a real gun turn around and say, back off. Maybe that would work. But, you know, I didn't do any of that. You want to know why? Because I don't want to blow the potential that I might have to influence somebody one day. And what if that person showed up here and through all the garb could still figure out, hey, that's the guy that... (laughs) And I don't want to give a poor representation of what he's done for me in my heart. Now, I'm not saying I always get it right. I promise you I don't. I'm as human as you are. But I am saying this. We need to put this in here to give us more of a chance to bring forth good. To bring forth good fruit because of what is treasured in here. Because I'm treasuring Jesus in here. Because I'm treasuring God's Word in here. And I allow what God says in God's will for my life to reign as opposed to just my fleshly desires. That lays the foundation for you and I to bring forth good. Job said this. Job said, I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. By the way, the very first of this chapter, Job is over there saying, I wish I knew where I could find God, where I could make an argument to him because of all the junk that I've been through. This is the same Job that lost all of his family, that lost the love of his wife, that lost his health, that lost his possessions, that lost his servants, that had all this hit him. And now he's saying, I wish I could find God. And he goes on through that chapter and he says, I've looked here and I can't see him here. I can't see him over here where he's at work, but I can't you know, perceive him behind me and I can't see him. But Job did say, by the way, in all my junk, I understand God's at work. He did say he's over here working. And the Job that went through all this, who would have a lot more reason than probably anybody else I know of to get bitter and upset with God and just think I'm done with it. Instead, Job that had gone through all that says, I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. And God himself, the reason all the junk hit him to start with, they had looked at Satan and said, have you seen my servant Job? He loves me. He's living a righteous life. Job says, I've treasured this more than my portion of food. Why do we need to treasure this? Why do we need to treasure Jesus in our hearts? Because if we don't treasure Him and His Word in our hearts, we're going to vomit the wrong stuff out. If we are treasuring Him in His words in our heart, then that gives us the ability, according to what Jesus said, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. A good person can bring forth good because of what is treasured in his or her heart. If we would treasure Jesus more, if we would treasure God's will more, for our lives we would bring forth good more. Think that makes sense? Indication number two. An evil person brings forth evil. It's just the reverse of it. An evil person brings forth evil because of what is treasured in his or her heart. The good person can bring forth good. The person that's been made righteous by Jesus Christ can bring forth good. Because of the goodness that is treasured in our heart, the reverse of it is this. An evil person, and Jesus is talking to these Pharisees. He already has said, you're like poisonous snakes on the inside. You're pretty on the outside. You're a bunch of snakes. An evil person brings forth good because of what is treasured in his or her heart. Jesus said that evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. So once again, what are you treasuring in your heart? Because you see, if you've got all the wrong stuff, we're talking about trying to bring forth good in a way that honors God and and Jesus, but if you're treasuring all the wrong stuff, guess what's happening? That's why all the wrong stuff's popping out. 
because of what you have treasured in your heart. That's why you're getting all the wrong stuff coming out. If you treasure the wrong things, it will be revealed in your actions because that's what's popping out in your life. Because you're treasuring and you're valuing the wrong stuff. And I dare say all of us sitting here, and I just threw myself in with that also, if you would think about it, by our actions, what does it appear we treasure maybe more than this a lot of times? Can I ask you a real you know, meddling question? What do you do more in a week? Read this or watch TV? And you wonder why some of the attitudes pop out of our lives and things pop out of our mouths that pop out because we're treasuring everything else beyond this. We're spending more time everywhere else than we are here. And that's putting the wrong stuff in. We're treasuring the wrong stuff in our lives. And if we treasure the wrong stuff, eventually the wrong actions are going to come out. You start thinking about something enough. You see it enough on television. You start thinking that might feel good to my flesh. And you keep treasuring it and thinking about it and thinking about it. If you're not very careful, it's going to pop out in your life. And you'll actually do it. Now, to help us see the condition of the human heart, because we, there's always these people that want to be, you know, you know universalists. Uh, it is a doctrinal word for them, but they want to think, well, everybody's good, everybody's going to heaven, and everything like that. We're okay, you know, kind of just like we are. I want you to see what the Bible says. See, a lot of people don't like the idea that, that we say that they're really evil people, and evil really exists. It does. In Genesis, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can I remind you when that was? Man, I wonder what God's opinion is now as he looks at the human race. Since we've got the internet and all the porn on the internet. and the duh, duh, Can I keep going? All the other stuff. You know, I wonder what his opinion is now. The Bible tells us this also. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. You see, if you're, a, if you're a person that's of the opinion that everybody's okay and there's not any real evil in the world, we're all good people, we're going to heaven, you don't know why you believe that? Your heart has deceived you. The heart's deceitful above all things. Makes you think everything's okay. Makes you think everything's right. Makes you think this will be good for you. The heart's deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Bible clearly tells us that we are evil, that we're sick inside without Jesus. And if that's what you are treasuring up in your life, that's why the wrong thing is popping out. The Pharisees had it completely wrong. They thought dress up the outside of the life and make the outside of the life look okay. Jump through enough hoops, obey enough rules, and God will have to let you into heaven. Had it completely wrong. Jesus addresses that here. Look at these verses here. And he called the people to him again. Said to them, hear me all of you and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But I see the Pharisees have come up with a bunch of man-made rules. You can't eat that. You can't eat this. Don't, you know, all this on the outside stuff. This will defile you if you do it. But Jesus said, look, you've got it wrong. But the things that come out of a man are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, the disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? And then Jesus goes on to break it down for him. He says, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. I've already talked about vomit. Do you want me to go further this morning? People are going to leave from day three church this morning, go out and say, the pastor talked about vomit and poop at church this morning. But that's literally what Jesus is saying. They, you know, the Pharisees were going around with all these rules. Don't eat that, don't eat this, don't do that, don't do this. He said, look what goes in your stomach. Guess what? It's coming out. Does it defile you? Thus he declared all foods clean. Then he goes on and he said this. 
What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It's not what you put in your stomach that the Pharisees were talking about. Jesus said it's what you're putting in your heart. It's what you're treasuring in your heart. And what you treasure in your heart will cause these types of things to pop out if you're treasuring the wrong thing. Our main topic this morning, what we're trying to stay focused on, is bringing forth good. You and I, as followers of Christ, need to bring forth good. Not our goodness, His goodness. That's the only capacity we have to do it. And we can do it if we're authentic believers because He has put good inside of us. And if we will treasure Jesus in our hearts and God's Word in our hearts, it will help us to bring forth good. On the other hand, if we're treasuring the wrong stuff in our hearts and in our lives, it causes us to bring forth evil. Wrong. That's why a lot of people have a lot of trouble bringing forth good because instead of treasuring Jesus and treasuring this, they're treasuring all the wrong stuff in their heart and in their life. Can I remind you what the specific point is that we're on right now in the message, the second main topic this morning? If you're going to bring forth good, you need to be fully convinced that you are a follower of Christ. You need to know for sure that you're authentic, that you're real. Just maybe if you never, ever, 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 ever are able to do anything good, bring forth good in your life, just maybe you're not real. Just maybe you're treasured all the wrong stuff and Jesus isn't there. You see, if we're going to bring forth good, we need to know without any doubt for sure that Jesus is there. To be fully convinced that He's there in our lives. Indication number three, this is the part that probably has worried a lot of you. I uh, started to let you off the hook a little bit early, but I thought I'd let you worry about it till now. But um, indication number three is this, as we talk about whether we're really authentic or not, so we can bring forth good that honors Jesus in our lives. Indication number three, Jesus says basically this, what we say in our day-to-day speech might be reflecting who we really are might be reflecting who we really are. Jesus looked at this group of Pharisees. He said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Is that not scary? Now, maybe it's not for you. Maybe, you you know, but... Guys, I spent... And number one, I grew up in Wilkes County. <laughs> Moonshine capital of the world, by the way, in case you didn't know the fame of Wilkes County. Didn't always hang out with all the right friends that I should have. I've already told you guys before, if God had not led me to start dating Becky, I don't know where I'd have wound up. Didn't always hang out with the right people. Didn't always make the right choices. Spent 10 years in law enforcement. Had a captain that was over me that I worked with pretty close a lot of times that had retired from the Navy. Have you ever heard the term cuss like a sailor? They came up with that phrase after he was in the Navy. Had all those types of influences to where, before I knew it, I could cuss like a sailor. And then just aside from that, just standing around, I mean, man, even after being called in the ministry and just standing around people and they're joking and making small talk and everything like that and and I was reading this, you know, one, one day early on after being called in the ministry and stuff like that. And I thought, my goodness, I'm in trouble. I'm going to have to give account for every careless word that I speak. By your word, you're justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Anybody else worried right now since I just went through all those scenarios? Anybody else worried about that? 
Well, Jesus isn't really talking about our small talk. Although, let me say, I think our small talk should be guarded. It should be godly. Let me stress that. Remember the context of what's taking place in this story. What had the Pharisees said? The Pharisees, by their thoughts and by their mouth, they were attributing a miracle that Jesus had done by His own power, God in the flesh, to being done by the power of Satan. And Jesus looks at this group, and He's telling them what you say is reflecting who you really are. So it's not necessarily our small talk, although like I said, it ought to be godly. What he's saying is this. The most important thing is what you say about me. You have just called me the devil. You just attributed a miracle that I've done to the power of Satan. And he's letting them know in advance those kinds of words. They will give account for careless words. That's very careless words because Jesus was proven by the miracles that he had performed who he was. The Pharisees just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And that's the context of what Jesus is saying here when he says... You'll give account for careless words like that. For by your words you'll be justified. And by your words you'll be condemned. So we need to be really concerned about what we think and what we say about Jesus. Now in a practical way, can I put this thought before you? If In a practical way, if, if that means that we'll give an account in the day of judgment for careless words, you know what that means? That means God is what? Listening. Doesn't even have to. He knows before you ever say it that you would say it. <laughs> in other words, it means God knows. He's, but He's listening. In a practical way, if we recognize that more, it sure would change the communication that comes out of our mouths, Right? You ever let it fly as a believer and then all of a sudden you realize and you catch yourself and you go, God, I'm sorry. We live our lives more under the awareness that He's watching and He's listening. That ought to also help us bring forth good in, in our lives. So a question is this, does what you say in your life, the communication that's coming out of your life. If you'll evaluate for a moment, I said a moment ago, maybe get some scales out here in your mind. If you'll evaluate the bulk of your speech, if you'll evaluate the things that you think about Jesus and the things that you say about Jesus, can you say that that causes you to be fully convinced that you really know Christ? Why is that important? Because until you and I are fully convinced that we know Him, we're not going to do a lot of bringing forth good. I need to be fully committed to who He is and who I am in Christ. I need to be fully convinced that I'm authentic, that I know Christ as my Savior. Because what I say, the mass of my speech, the bulk of what I say, really communicates. See, God's concerned about what we say because it communicates our heart, what we really think about Him, what we really think about Jesus. That's why God's concerned with our words because it's what's treasured up in here that comes out here. And if we're going to bring forth good, we need to understand that. So what about your words? What kind of words... Have you been saying, what's your thoughts about Jesus? What do you communicate about Jesus? Would you be honest this morning and, and you know, think to yourself, man, I, I can't remember hardly ever being able to say the right stuff or bring forth the right stuff. 
I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt their salvation this morning, but if you can never, ever remember bringing forth the right stuff, good works in your life, or saying the right stuff, you might ought to be concerned because, you see, the Bible says when we trust Christ as our Savior, we become a new creature, a new creation. Old things pass away, things become new. If you're all the time bringing forth bad and not bringing forth good, and you never, ever feel God chastising you, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, if God doesn't chasten us, chastise us, we're illegitimate. That's what he's telling us. So as we think about bringing forth good, letting the inside out, if you really, really, really have trouble doing that, maybe you need to ask yourself if you really know him. How can we bring good out? I need to be fully committed that Jesus is who he says he is. I need to make the decision once and for all that Jesus is a good tree. He proved it by bearing good fruit, and I'm going to follow him no matter what. I need to make a, a full decision that he wants me to live for him, and I need to make this tree either evil or good, quit playing around with it, I need to go for a broke with Jesus and make the tree good and bear the fruit that he wants me to bear. Because I won't bring forth a lot of good fruit until I'm fully convinced. He's who he says he is, and I'm really his. The word careless literally means this. It means inactive, idle, worthless. When Jesus said, you'll, you'll give an account for every careless word. He was saying, you'll give an account because you've not kept your promises. You've made idle commitments. He's not talking about all of our small talk. He's talking about broken promises. He's not talking about just, you know, someone saying jokes and everything like that. He's at a more serious level here. He's talking about broken promises, unkept commitments, unpaid vows, things that that ought to be real. He looked at this religious crowd and he said, you've said all this, but you've not done it because your heart is not right. And he gives us some indications for us to look at and evaluate our own lives this morning. A good tree brings forth good fruit because of what is treasured inside. An evil tree brings forth evil fruit because it's treasured inside. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 3. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. He also says this. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. In other words, if you're a healthy Christian, healthy follower of Christ, you ought to be bearing good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll recognize them not by what they say, but by their fruits, by what they do. Let's pray. Father, God, you have done so much good for us. Lord, especially the good that you have done in Christ by becoming flesh, sending your Son into this world to die on a cross for our sins, that through him we can have everlasting life. God, when he was here, he proved that he was the good tree. He proved it by his fruit. Proved he was authentic. Proved who he was. So we would... Believe Him and trust in Him and follow Him. Father, because of Your goodness to us, God, help us bring forth good in our lives that honors You. God, challenge us right now and help us to be honest before You. God, I pray that every person here is fully committed to who Jesus is. And because of that, they can be fully committed 
to who they are in Christ. And Lord, if that's not true in any life here, if they're not fully committed to who Jesus is and fully committed to who they are in Christ, if there are doubts and question marks and Lord, reasons for it because of the fruit that they bear, God, I pray that you speak to their heart and help them know for sure right now. God, if there's someone here that's not authentic, God, help them, like Jesus said, make the tree good or make it evil. God, help them right now to to make a decision. Father, those of us that know we've made the decision, help us to demonstrate your glory, your goodness in our lives by the fruit that we bear. God, help us to look at these indications. Help us, God, to evaluate right now our lives and be fully convinced that we're your followers. And God, if we look at our life and we realize we treasure the wrong stuff and not the right stuff, and we're not fully convinced, God, deal with our lives today. Help us that we might bear good fruit, that we might glorify you, that we might bring forth good in our lives, not our goodness, but your goodness. God, there's a lost world around us that needs the influence and the authenticity of real Christianity. God, help us to be good trees bearing good fruit. Help us to bring forth the good, to get it inside out from our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So band plays. I, I told you this is mainly for believers and everything, but if you don't know Christ as your Savior, please come today. Please come and ask some questions at least. Stay behind after the service, and we'll have someone to share with you more what it means to trust Christ as your Savior. For those of us that have said that we've done that, maybe God's pointed out to you this morning that you're treasuring some of the wrong stuff, and that's giving you some problems in your life. Why not pray while the band plays? If necessary, come up here and kneel and pray and say, God, help me to put the right stuff in, to be treasuring the right stuff as a believer so I get the right stuff out, so I can can bring forth good works inside out to glorify you. Let's just stand. God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dathan Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.